0: I knew right away I wanted to go into programming just for the freedom of it and being able to create whatever you want in so many different ways. Welcome to La Wellgone Live. Our guest today is Nathan LaRue, co-founder and CTO at Blinks. Previously a software engineer at Ubisoft and Google, Nathan created Blinks, a startup that syncs touch points and generates a 360-degree view of how you and your colleagues have interacted with contacts, projects, or companies. Blinks was recently accepted into the prestigious 500 Seed Accelerator, a program with less than 1% acceptance rate. Learn more about Nathan's journey from being a software engineer to becoming a successful entrepreneur. I am this currently the CTO of Blinks. Uh, for people who don't know what a CTO is, it's uh, the Chief Technology Officer. So I'm in charge of the product and making sure the product meets the, uh, the business goals. Um, so I studied, uh uh, at Midway University in software engineering. Then I did a few internships at Ubisoft and uh, Google, uh, short internships. Um, I then started my first company where uh, I, I sold uh, my first proprietary technology. And don't go think I sold for, for for a large amount, it was like a super small amount, but it was just about selling it. And uh, nowadays, uh, I am the CTO, as I explained earlier. So, yeah.
1: Thanks so much. And so, you went through a few roles and you also got your bachelor's degree at McGill. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit about your journey, how you started and how you knew you wanted to study um, computer software engineering? Uh,
0: Yeah, Um, actually that dates back to when I was I think the third year of high school. Um, There was this uh, coding class and it was just about creating a game, but I was I think 15 back in the days and when I was when I started I could just sort of freedom programming, like programming brought to you. Um, so then in CJEP, I started to align all of my projects toward programming. And that's where I knew at the end of the CJEP, uh, because in Canada, we have CJEP prior to university. Um, I knew right away I wanted to go into programming just for the freedom of it and being able to create whatever you want in so many different ways. So that's really, uh, I think, what brought me into uh, programming. Um, and then after that, seeing all the different projects that were super interesting, either AI or machine learning, in university that really come from my, my choice. Initially. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: Awesome. And did those interests change as your studies developed? You mentioned a passion into AI. Um.
0: Yes, they did change a lot. Like I'm saying AI because it is a cool buzzword, but um, uh, I was also a, at some point a young man who appreciated Ghetto games and the concept of having those, those giant worlds inside of a, instead of those like content environment was, was super interesting to me. So um, so I started like really liking this. That's why I also worked for Ubisoft for a small amount of time. But then uh, my passion transferred to algorithms. Like uh, algorithms is really where I, I, I think I shine and where I had a lot of fun programming this. So um, yes, there was some sort of switch if you want, uh, from, from more of a, 3D, uh, 3D environment to more of a algorithm design uh, perspective. But uh, aside from this, um, then actually later on, I got a passion with my current company uh, for full stack development. So programming from the start to the end of one application. So really, uh, the front-facing, uh, server management, everything. Uh, that's where now I, like my passion lies.
1: And when along that line did you know that you wanted to have your own product,
0: and company? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I always wanted to to have a, well, maybe not have a company, but maybe have a product, have something that people could use, right? Um, I always was in my, like, at home, just uh, trying to, like, creating small software uh, either to help me at school or to help people uh, at my c um, So um, I think it's hard to say because, uh, like, a lot of people really want to be entrepreneurs, but you really know when you're an entrepreneur, uh, when you first started in your company, because this is like, you will stop the first day. You will look at the, like the mountain of stuff you have to do, right? Uh, I'm going to talk more technical terms, but it can be uh, the CI/CD, It can be the deployment of the product. There's so many different things you need to do and, and so little time. And, when you're looking at this this is where most people will usually like back down or, or, or turn away and you know you want to be an entrepreneur when you're seeing that mountain and you're cross over and just okay i'm going to do everything and take one day after the other and try to go through everything i think that's where when you know you want to work.
1: and so take us back to that you were in gaming
0: and mm-hmm.
1: you were doing a bunch of different things and then you went into business what yeah resources did you have to find to really close that knowledge gap and where did you look for first what were your some of your first few steps
0: um to find resources initially you have because because you don't know what to on that's for sure so you need to experience different things for sure um internships is usually a great thing to uh to to do to just experience because even even though i worked in the gaming industry i didn't like this is where i went full stack actually because I was programming web pages for developers. So that's where I learned it, right? So you, like doing internships will give you like all of those different aspects. And in internship, they will usually give you a mentor. And this mentor will like, will usually make or break a passion. Like if you can transfer the knowledge well, like you will either love or not like it at all, right? Um, so I think this is great. Now, when you have a business, uh, I think this can be translated well into adding mentors that founded business partners. We, like along the way at Blinks, we had several mentors that helped us. Initially, we, uh, we gave a little bit of equity to someone who really helped us understanding, like, what do we need to raise money? Who do we need to go see? What do we need it to say? Uh, all those kind of things that you just don't know because you're not experienced in this world, right? Especially as a first-time founder, you've never seen anything like this. And as even more as a software engineer, you're not used to this world. So, uh, making sure you have people that are more experienced than you and that are sometimes first, second, or even third time founders, these are the guys that will help you. And often, more often than not, they will want to transfer the knowledge because they will want to show their passion. Because at the end of the day, it is a passion.
1: So, it sounds like one of the first resources you need if you want to build a company is the people.
0: Always, always people. Um, You can read online about it, but there's a lot of bias sometimes. And a great thing about talking to people, Uh, I have a few mentors myself, CTOs at different companies in Montreal. Um, There's there's Flings, there's Unito, there's a lot of different startups here that really help me. Um, They will tell you the truth. Like having a one-on-one discussion with someone about like your problems is great because they most often than not went through those problems also um and to know that you're not alone in the world in those problems is great like just just having the satisfaction that okay they went through this and they did that it worked for them that's great might might not work for me but i'm not alone in this like a lot of people went through this so um yes people is always going to be your first uh your go-to in my opinion uh and whatever your stage right because even my mentors have mentors and people that i used to mentor uh, well people that used to mentor me now are Actually asking me questions too. So it's kind of now this it's more of like this back and forth because I have a core knowledge that they didn't um in different ways. So yeah.
1: That's awesome, then So co-founding blinks, how did you decide this is my partner?
0: Yeah. Um it's a it's a funny story. It's a great story actually. Um uh so I have two partners, uh Frederick and Stephen. Um amazing people, those two. Uh, and we really, really so you wanna look. At people that have like completely different skills than you have, right? That, that, that's one of the first ones. Um, Me and Fred, we know each other back in high school. So um, he was the uh, back in football because we played football together. He was the offensive captain. I was the defensive captain and we're always like head to head all the time. Um, he then studied business. I studied software engineering. So like we're always kind of uh, at the opposite pole, but also we're always direct and we always knew how to talk to each other, right? Mm-hmm. That was great. But we we didn't talk too much to each other until university. Funny thing is we both had an idea for a product. I needed to find this guy. He needed that guy. Um, we discussed. It, it didn't come up to anything. So, and then we just met one year after and then that's when we started playing together. Um, so how do you decide? It's hard to say, um, but I think that the, the, the success of a startup lies in great communication between the business and the tech. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. If, if the tech and the business can't communicate well together, you won't raise money, you won't build any product, and nothing will ever happen, right? So, having someone you know that you can tell anything to, like, like when I have a problem, my, my go to is my girlfriend for sure, but my second go to is gonna be my partner because that's a wedding, right? Like, you are married to someone for the next few years. Like I'm, I'm talking sometimes more to, to Fred than I am to my girlfriend. So, um, you need to say someone who, you know, you can tell anything about a business and even personal, because if, if your partner knows your mindset, mm-hmm. like as a, uh, as a co-founder, he can understand better your problems and even like your technical problems too. Like, uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So there's no, there's no secret, there's like secret, um, to this but i think someone who has a different skill set is a plus and i think someone who you, you have good communication is also a plus so the, if you have those two things i think it is great if you're more of a technical person try to look for someone in finance maybe uh, vice versa that's my personal opinion um but yeah
1: so you look for partners who can complement your skill set and sort of help you go where you need to go
0: yeah even St- stephen stephen is actually the the, the father of, of fred um he had a lot of experience in in in, uh, in marketing. He used to do. Uh, he's an expert in design. Um, he did a lot of marketing for also Pfizer and bigger companies. So we had a sort of trio where I was the technical mind, Fred was the finance mind, and Steph was the uh, like like um, the design and marketing mind. So we had all like the the like a sort of traffic to, of of knowledge, which really collided because the three of us are super different. But we are not afraid to tell our opinion, and that's that's where like the uh, the beauty of it lies.
1: So a lot of growth in developing a company person yeah
0: um, yeah
1: how do you stay fresh?
0: Um, that's a good question but and and now it might be my French being uh, uh, overlapping language, but by fresh, what do you mean exactly just to be sure.
1: Stay fresh, so that your mind is on top of the game. You're rested. You're able to come back one day, pumping all cylinders.
0: <laughs> so there's a few rules you need to live to live by that I uh, still have sometimes difficulty to live by. But uh, first of all, um, uh, sleep deprivation, like like for a long time, is, is, is never okay. I'm saying this, but I did it like two weeks ago. Um, it's 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 never okay. Um, you'd rather program well for five hours than like program badly for 10 hours mm-hmm. uh because you see results if not now you're it in a build in three weeks when your code like will just like will be overlapping new code and it will break because of you didn't do your job properly like previously so um so i think that's one of the big thing but that's that's sort of the easy thing second thing is uh like that's pers- personally for me uh going to the gym uh it was a little bit harder during covid but uh like things like this and eating well, like I really tried to like, I couldn't go to the gym during COVID, but I really tried to take time to eat better. That's one thing uh, I needed to do. And I saw the difference. And last thing is uh, I do think ASAP is poison. Like like it is poison in, in any way, shape or form. Um, if you try to prioritize everything, there's never any priority anymore, right? Especially like sooner, people will want products, like, okay, we need to do this in a month. But the reality is investors really invest in the product. Like investors usually invest in people. You rarely like we we needed to show a product to raise around uh, recently, but we were at the PC level. We, we already like raised like once like prior to that. And it was like after a year and a half uh, of development. So most of the time people think they need a product right away, but they don't. Um rather investing the time to researching your product and knowing what people need and showing an a 90 is is better. So taking your time to 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 do well research uh, features. Is in my opinion better value than just like so ASAP try to build this product right away and get it done. That's
1: what. It sounds like rushing is really contradictory to where you want to be as well. It's not going to get you to where you want to go. Take your time. Get well. <laughs>
0: yeah, it is. And it is hard, and, and I get it. Like I've been through this. Like I've been through like 100 hours a week. Like three. Like I used to go to university because I we started the companies two years ago. I was still at, at Miguel during that time, mm-hmm. and I remember a time where. Had my final exam we had a demo for our first big client and i was working too because we like we did not impatient back then because we didn't raise money yet so like all those three together like like i couldn't sleep at night because like either because of stress or because like now i need to sleep but i don't sleep because i want to sleep like yeah so um but the reality is sometimes it, it will be harder but in the long run like it is a marathon it is not a sprint that's a reality like you'll be doing this for like now, you're saying, okay, I need to build a product in a month and I need then to raise in two months after. But and, and you're telling yourself, okay, it's only for a short period of time, right?
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: it's not like there's always going to be like a next time, there's always going to be a next period to raise money. So find a way right, right now that you feel like you can uh, sustain this way of living for the next maybe four years. And when you find this, that's a, that's a
1: sweet spot you need to be in, I think. So we kind of went around who you were before you went to your company and who you are now going to do it. But can you tell us a bit about Blinks. What does your company do? Um,
0: yeah. So Blinks basically gives you all the interactions of your company, um, whether it's email, team calls, or Salesforce Note or anything, um, and it shows all of them to you in one click in Outlook or Teams. So. Um, let's say you at Lavalgon Canada want to see any interaction that went from your company to let's say company A, well, you can just open links, uh, enter company A, and then you'll see all the interaction that your company add that, that, that Lavalgon added with company A and everything, whether it's email, events, Teams call, or anything relevant. Um, so that's what we're doing. Now we can go more into the specifics. You could look for a specific colleague with a company or some, one of your colleagues with some, like someone specific outside of the company. Uh, and this network is built out of all the emails and all the events that you're doing. So um, that's what we're doing. I don't know if, if it was clear enough.
1: Yeah, that, that is very clear. It sounds like data organizations, so you can manage your business contacts and sort of clean that all up. It must, I mean, I can just imagine if you're emailing a bunch of companies and then going in your inbox, when did I email this guy and getting all that. that that's amazing. I love organizations. So yeah. that's fun to me.
0: And now we are we even building like insights on top of this. So let's say uh, one of your big clients uh, linked like to Salesforce and, and you know you have like a lot of money behind this contact, but no one contacted him in the past two months. Well, we'll be here with, hey, by the way, there's this big contact that you, like this big client that you might need contact just to keep up the relationship. Like maybe invite him somewhere just go talk with him or do something because uh, you don't want to lose him, right? So small yeah. things with, uh, with this. And you can even now, we just used a feature a week ago, where um, all your important contacts every morning, you get a little bit of a recap on all the interactions that these important contacts in your company have. So let's say you wake up and you saw, okay, in the last seven days, this important contact received four emails from these people, two events from from those people. So it's it's not only about building a network, but also about nurturing it.
1: And in your company, you're working from home now, yeah. and you also raised funds during COVID as well. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about how COVID impacted your business and how you were able to sort of pivot around that?
0: These were uh, special times because uh, prior to COVID, we just uh, got accepted into the uh, 500 Startups uh, um, Incubator. And in there, so we had an office in San Francisco, an office in Montreal. So now we had to manage the business side in San Francisco to raise money and the, the product here in Montreal. So there was this kind of a, uh, so we already practice a little bit like, like uh post COVID uh, situation, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So we needed to raise money, but then COVID up happens. Everybody went back to home. So all the discussion of all our meetings for to raise money in San Francisco, just stopped like like overnight. And all of those big VCs that have their monies from, from banks and LPs, now with those sort of like feeling of insecurity, so like just, Started to slow down the, uh, the investments, but uh, we had discussion practice with uh, with bigger VCs, and these were um, these VCs didn't depend on any LPs or any banks. Um, so the discussion went forward, and 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 we successfully raised money with our product. Because even though we're working from home, like the product still still on. Um, if you have any more questions about this, uh, Fred might be a, like a better per- person to answer this. But if I can talk a bit more about the technical side behind raising money. Yeah. Um, as a tech leader, as a CTO or project manager or whatever, you need to ensure that everything you're doing with your tech team um, is always aligned with the goal you're having for your next round. Let's say, like, your KPI, so your um, your key performance indicators for, for your next round are, are, I need 60% retention, and I want thousand dollars recurring revenue every month. If you want those two things, well, Tell this to all of your members, all your technical members, mm-hmm. and, and explain what are your objectives for this round to your entire team. And that's super important. Because if they understand what do you want to, like, to achieve, like they will understand why they're programming features. There's nothing worse for a developer than to program, but not really understanding what they're trying to aim, like what they're trying to aim for. Mm-hmm. Um, so having those KPIs, people will then look at their feature. Um, I had someone today like, with w- who I discussed about his feature and how with analytics we could try this feature and see if it align with our current KPIs for the end of the um, for the for, to, to raise money so um, this uh, so this is super important just make sure that your tech, your tech team is always aligned with every goal they have uh, because your goal will be to deliver product when you're raising money yes they will go see the clients they will ask you questions but if VCs use your app or use your product and they're seeing value Because because VCs are giant networks, so for us it was easy for us to show them the value of the product. It will also make our life easier. So yeah, um, that's pretty much it for the tech side of uh, raising money.
1: You develop your vision, make sure everyone's on board, and
0: yeah, and
1: and
0: yeah, because I've seen like so many people starting companies and just like telling okay, I need this and that, and and I want this feature and that feature, but if you don't explain the why behind it and and like, if we do those features, this client will like, jump with us. If this client jump, we raise our, our revenues, and that that might help us reach our goal. Um, so yeah, just explaining everything thoroughly so that everybody is on the same page, and everybody's on the same boat, and we're in the same direction. That's the important thing.
1: And how do you do that when you have a team that's international? There must be some challenges that pop up. Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, just to put people in context, uh, we recently hired uh, one of our employees that was in Montreal due to COVID. Uh, she went back to, uh, to Portugal. We have currently one employee in Pakistan and well also another uh, employee in Argentina. Um, I think if you put in place channel of communication that makes sense for your entire tech team and for your entire company, it's easy for everybody to be on the same page. There will always be some problems like, like time differences between your team and, and yourself um, but these are struggles you will always have, and, and you can't do anything about those. So about the variables you can control, make sure people, like, it's easy to discuss. So things like daily stand-up, especially during COVID, are more vital than, like, any time. Because people can just turn and ask you questions. question. So every morning, go through your entire tech team, discuss with them, understand where they are currently, what are their problems from, from the previous day, what are the problems they think they might have, and who do they do they need in a company so we can set up a meeting and then just optimize their time, because because people now like since they can just turn and ask you a question, then they might not want to ask a question, so they might sort of working by themselves and just just be like not about the the right feature. So mm-hmm. making sure this those lines of communication are always open is super important.
1: And is that the majority of your tasks as a CTO is sort of managing that team?
0: It is becoming more and more important as we grow, for sure. Um, I still program, I still touch to pretty much every side of the of the product, but um, it has become a big part. Yes, I would say, um, because as you grow, um, the information dissemination across the company is getting more and more complex. So you really need to make sure that you're on the same page. Because my time, let's say, if I program eight hours a day, mm-hmm. but I have four programmers that don't understand like like the what they need to do. Well, this eight hours now is like thirty-two hours, and so so you need to make sure that everybody is on the same page and that that it can work properly and not invest their time in maybe unvaluable stuff for the business. So um, so yes, I do. I would say that quite quite a large chunk of my time is is dedicated to um, to managing the employees. Yeah.
1: What's something that helps you? Understand what they're supposed to do the most. So to understand their why, is there something in common that people do they not pay attention, not read? What what's the hangup?
0: To be honest, it rarely happens. When it happens, is it's because I fill up somewhere in the process of creating a story, um, just to put people in context. Whenever you're programming. building stories and those stories have criteria that people need to follow right so if someone don't understand properly it's because either there's not enough images there's not enough acceptance criteria and there's there's not enough maybe validation from clients because sometimes like we didn't validate something enough for the client or maybe we took a decision that is not like necessarily data driven Ah. if something like this happens we usually fall back to either me and if I can find an answer, then I fall back to Fred, which is my partner, and then we need to, to have a discussion about that story. Um, but most of the time, if someone doesn't understand, it's, uh, it, it's, it's because the story isn't well built. So uh, I have to rework it with Fred, and then we send it back. And 99% of the time, people understand.
1: Okay. Regarding your team, what right now, how big is your team?
0: So now we are uh, currently, uh, so we are, so we, we don't have a big team. We are currently six programmers mm-hmm. uh, in our team, and we have two people, two non-programmers. So we are um, a, th- a total of eight. But even at that stage, it's getting complex to manage everyone. And even at that stage, uh, like starting to split your teams is, is is getting super valuable, in my opinion. So we just started something. So I was discussing about the daily stand-ups. But even with six people, like having a daily standup up where everybody talks with like sometimes one or two project managers, um, it can come along and people can start wasting their time, right? So already setting up a structure where you have like your front end and your back end right away uh, so that people can discuss and if they need to discuss between the front end and the back end, make sure you can make a meeting. But prior to this, try to have every, everybody on the same page by just isolating those things together and then making sure if everybody is good and thought I didn't then everything is set and then you can work, uh, you can continue. But yeah, we just, yeah, so we just are two seniors. And the team and the rest, including myself, are juniors. I, like, I would consider myself a junior because, uh, I don't have like 15 years of experience on my belt. But so, yeah.
1: Okay. And so um, what about your vision going forward? Are you planning to make the team bigger anytime soon?
0: Um, yes, we do plan on, 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 on I think a bigger team. Uh, one thing that's super important at Blinks, um, and this is something I discuss often with Fred is onboarding people, right? Like, like this is a, like, it is a make or break if an employee is going to stay for long or not. Um, uh, making sure the employee is in a great environment that he likes is, is, is important. And one, what part of this is taking your time to hire. That's one of the things that I did not understand initially when you hire someone. There's a there's an expression that means hire slow, fire fast. Like it is kind of true because you need to take your time to hire someone like as much as possible. And sometimes you will need someone right away, but you will discover something at the end of the process just because you like you took your time. Um, so yeah, so we, we are planning on hiring more people, but uh, for now we're just trying to get people on board so I don't have to, to do all the onboarding by myself. So now the two seniors uh, soon they'll be ready to, to, to take on more
1: people with them. Uh, so this, is, uh, this will be a good time for us to work uh, a team. That's awesome. And what would you look for in talents when you're hiring to develop that?
0: That's, that is a great question. Um, because most of the people here that, uh, that will f- fund the company, they think that, oh, I'll hire someone super late. But do you want if you as many, it will probably be right away. Um, first of all, you need to look into people that are better than you. That's, that, that's a group to standby. Uh, I didn't follow that rule cool initially because I was just like not aware of it. So um, this was something that I didn't initially, but hire people that will make your code better. That's that, that's second thing. Second thing is like you can always help someone improve in their code. Like someone can always improve technically, but it's sometimes hard to change someone's attitude, right? So even if someone is not on par with the latest talent, if he has a great attitude and, and you see a great, great company, keep him on board because if he if he is willing to read the talk, if he is willing to study some, like some nights and some weekends, and he just wants to read because he's curious, that is priceless. Mm-hmm. We, as I said, I didn't follow the rule initially to hire like people are, well, none of them are better than me, but that would get at Malibu, right? Mm-hmm. We hired people at university, but we were lucky enough that they were gems. Like they were amazing people that were willing to read and put the time that was needed for them to just uh, get to like, j- j- just get to the next level. Um, and that's something I'm I'm extremely happy. But this is only two employees that I'm talking about. But we actually are more than that. Like m- more than half the team was removed because like th- there was too many problems either with attitudes or or talent just, just wasn't there. So if you follow those rules, you shouldn't see those problems. So take your time to hiring people and hire people that are better. Than, uh, that's that, that would be my advice. Um, if I can just say something about this too, um, the process of hiring people. Uh, When you're looking into who you will hire, there's two different, like, mindset you need to have, one for seniors and one for juniors. If you're looking to hire a senior, um, one thing that I found was really great is when you're you're telling someone, I need you to help me build the culture of the company, because that's what seniors usually want to do. They want to bring their own baggage and then help you build the company because they know that they have more experience than you. They want to bring something to the company. Otherwise, they could just work for any corporate, like, like entity, and just make, like, twice a salary, right? So um, that that's one of the big things. And also making sure that they can transfer their knowledge, because everybody that is an expert at something usually likes to teach most of the time. Um, and for juniors, you need to look for people that want to learn, are curious, mm-hmm. and for people that really want to get to the next level, uh, and really want to get seniors. So that's usually, usually what you want to give to people, because you always need to remember... Like for every dev that you will like employ, mm-hmm. um he might have four or five offers too. So that is something you need to, to always be aware of. Like it's not like 30 years ago when you could just play with salary and just like you want a job, yes or no, okay, next. Like today they have like most of most of people receive big offers now. So um you need to also like look good for that.
1: Yeah. And you're looking for people who invest in themselves, who have yeah. a mindset. And you're looking for people who will want to invest their skills in the company too. So how how do you look after those people, and how do you give back to those kinds of employees?
0: Honestly, just talk to them. That that that's one of the great things that that most I think corporate structure don't have. Like when someone comes, to me, like comes to me, and he he's telling me like, can I just take vacation, like, or can I just uh, I, I would like to bring this to the company, or or or. I might want to bring that notification or integrate this technology. It's a lot easier because I'm I'm. there's no one asking me. So we will come to a conclusion and we will integrate it. When you go to a more corporate structure where you, like this culture has been there for 10, 15, even 25 years sometime, those changes will take years. So I think it's something that is super valuable for startups and for people. If they need something, they can just come and ask me, either if it's for benefits, for ask, or for... And just changing the culture in general, like it is, I am and, and most startups are extremely accessible on those usual. Um, you do want to set up a culture as soon as possible, but you, like your culture will work with your team for sure. The more people you will get in the team, the more your culture will change. And you need to adapt to this with the team you have. Uh, because at the end of the day, the employees will stay for the culture and that's it. There's nothing else. Like the it's not a secret sauce if people enjoy their like what they're bring to the company. And if the culture really fits with them, they will stay because uh, they know that the, op- like the 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 option of making a better salary is is, is extremely viable also. So, yeah,
1: that's really cool. And when you're building everyone, everything with everyone together, that must yeah. function a lot better as well.
0: Yeah, because you, you can't just like build a culture by yourself and then try, try and hope for the best and hope that people will just like fit in this culture. Like your culture will have to change. You do have to set some boundaries sometimes, that's for sure, but,
1: um, yeah. What kind of boundaries are you thinking about?
0: No, like, I've never had a problem, but I've had discussions with people where, like, you need to set some boundaries. For example, um, like, it never happened personally, but it's just a story from a restaurant in Montreal, but someone came to the CTO and he asked them, um, like, I'm pulling, like, a lot of hours, like, 12 hours, but my team isn't pulling their weight. Like, like... Should we ask them for more time? So, like, these are the kind of things that you want to kind of slow down on because now the company has to say, okay, our culture is sleep deprivation is not okay. Mm-hmm. So, don't like, don't relax. If you want to do more hours, it's up to you. But I don't think that your time is going to be more valuable because you pull four hours more. Because if that, like, four more hours means four hours less of sleep, mm-hmm. then your call for 12 hours is maybe worth six or seven hours of code because you're not focused while you're programming, right? So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah okay yeah and um i'll give you a little bit more to advice you'd have for many use people who maybe five years ago from where you were they're uh, in that situation now they're developing their interest they're developing their skill what advice would you have to future entrepreneurs or product owners anything really
0: the number one, so we did talk about like sleeping well on all, all the things. But one thing is, I thought about ASAP, but when you're building a product, you'd better build after a product than building a, a fast product for sure. That's my opinion on, on it. Take your time and make sure to always have amazing mentors around because these are the difference. Having someone that went through what you're, you're about to go through, what a difference between, like between if you succeed or not, always. Like, I I cannot like tell you how many meetings I've went into and, and people didn't want to invest because I am a first-time founder. And then I explained to them, well, okay, well, yeah, but we have this member that exited like four times on our advisory board, this member that exited two times, and this guy, and this guy, and these are all people this company invested in. So for them, it's a lot easier to back a project that they invested like in, in four of the people on the advisory board. Um, so. Just make sure you have the right people around you because you don't know. Like me two years ago, four years ago, I, I didn't know anything about a business. Mm-hmm. So, so you need those people to, to help you navigate through those, uh, those those complexities. Absolutely.
1: And how does someone find those kinds of
0: mentors? Um, honestly, sometimes it's university or and sometimes not everybody might be able to go to universities. But there is, especially in Montreal, and I know this is like this everywhere, it will be on right now. But uh, if you go to place like the endowment house um, or other places where there's um, a little bit like new work, mm-hmm. we work, that will have a lot of nights where you can just talk to devs and talk to different people. And at those places, you will often see like CTOs or people that have a lot of experience or might sometimes just be looking for a job. But the goal uh, like of going there and talking to people is to try to find someone that aligns with your knowledge and someone that might mentor you to, to, uh, to raising money or to like getting a product. Um, now I do understand like it is a lot harder with with, with COVID. But our first and I think most important mentor that we ever had was a professor at university uh, that, and it was for the uh, for the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial class Miguel. Mm-hmm. And he he uh, he worked for um, for a BC in Montreal. I don't remember the name of the BC. Um, but yeah, so he was a junior partner there and he helped us navigate like all the complexities of the, the VCs, like what, which VCs like to go where and what like, what those VCs want in terms of data. Because every VC is going to want something different from you and you need to know this prior to going to a meeting. You can't like have a paper everywhere and try to make it work everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, So and by the way, VC was real venture. So like this is one of the biggest VC in Canada, but like all of those people sometimes have experience with those VCs add those thoughts. Um, so yeah, really really trying to go to those events and try to meet new people is going to be super important.
1: And, um, I would have another question around, um, projects. You obviously had a project that is succeeding, that has succeeded. Um, have you ever had any projects that failed or what would be your advice in terms of when you know it's time to move on to another project?
0: Uh, That is a great question. I... I don't think I have an answer for you. Uh, one is that you, like, you know when it's going to be wrong. Like, you know, when, like, if if you're not seeing any, I like, think you go to a guy's meeting and nobody's interested and, and that's a I meeting, it, or people that have backed you in the past are not backing you anymore, I yeah. think that's a good sign. Um, but it's hard to say, because sometimes for product, like like people will want to report it, but people might not be interested in, in, in paying for it, but the product might solve the need, which is not an important need it has to, to pay. So you might need to stop because you can't like bring money, because for DCs, not only having a high retention product, but also proving that you can bring money out of the product is important. Um so that might be also like one factor, but uh I don't know. I think every project is different and, and every project will have different indicators on, on when to stop. Uh I'm not I'm not good at telling like people when to stop, but uh <laughs> yeah, I think I think you know when it's time to stop.
1: Keep going until going is not possible anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think these are goals that people need to get by for sure, uh, especially in this world where where like it's it is a crazy world the world of a startup and like it is a roller coaster. You will have super high highs, super low lows. Like sometimes you will be in debt, and rather, like the day after you'll be seven hundred thousand US, like 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 in the positive. Like you don't know. And people will just call you. Okay, we decided to invest it's like okay great so it's it's always those kind of challenges that you, that, that you need to go through mm-hmm.
1: um
0: and that's when you need to rely on your partners like like the partners you need to discuss because everything you're going through they're also going through yeah. so i think one thing when you need to stop is when all the founders agree to stop and if you don't feel like if you feel like because you will sometimes feel bad about uh let feel bad but um it, it, it will be hard sometimes and and and, and i've it was hard for me, it was hard for all my partners, and we had bad moments, we had amazing moments, but I think, yeah, as you said, you can't really stop, right, because you have those lows, but the answer is, there's going to be super high highs, so yeah.
1: So what some kind of uh, the highs right now, what's some of the best parts about your role now?
0: Honestly, just uh, seeing people that are better than me uh, owning part of the product. Like now there are things that I'm not aware. Like I always like to know everything about a product. Now I just can't. There's just too many moving parts. Um, that's one thing. Uh, like seeing people own part of the code and and maybe explaining to me how it works, but then not necessarily like knowing every details of It's uh, great because people are really passionate. Also seeing people that were invested initially in the product uh, and, and that came in the in the team early on. Uh, and that now I can see our customers like grow, like um, I'm thinking of Charles and Claudia. Like now, they are, like they are getting teach by by senior members that have a lot of experience in their domain, and I see them and grow every day, amazingly. Like I can I can just think we we recently refactored most of the backend. For people who don't know, backend is uh, is more of the server side. So it's all the um, all the information or the data where the data is stored, and the front end is more of the application. So uh, if I can take an example, Charles recently. Uh, he had a great future for the backend, and now he's getting amazingly good at backend, like, like better than I am. And it feels great to see him and being passionate and, like, who and read every day about this. And, like, it is great.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's really fun. It is. Is there anything that you would like to add? Anything you would like to talk about? Or
0: So, everybody in the software industry, like, now I'm not going to talk to, uh, to maybe a little bit less to the entrepreneurs, maybe more about, like, wealth to everyone. Um, I do think that there is money to be made in every sector of, of, of the software industry, like every sector. So one really important thing you need to remember is just go in whichever domain you feel you're, you, you are compelled to go into and that you find interesting because you will build this expertise and by being an expert in domain, you will know where... The, like the problem lies. And, and if you're an expert and you know where the problem lies, you, we will know those solutions. And that might be the first idea for the start, right? By being in expert in something, you know what goes wrong. Because mm-hmm. if you just take the first job that gives you like a six-figure salary and just go for a big company, but every day is a struggle, like everything's going to look bad and you'll never find any solutions. Like just own the domain, own a sphere of, of, of programming and try to improve it. And, and, and I'm sure that one day, even though you feel like you're not an entrepreneur now, one day you might become one because you're trying to solve that
1: problem. Hmm. So it's more about the experience, going with your passions, and then that's way more important to you than going for that big, big, big gun job right away. Yeah.
0: yeah, because sometimes sometimes it will like it will make more like more money initially and like they'll pay for you to move somewhere and that's that's great and all. But by being an expert in something that interests you like, like your the, the chances of you ending up like at the end of your life with a great career, but also an amazing salary are way high. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that, that's my thing it.
1: More experience. We got one question here from Kathleen. What has been your biggest challenge yet?
0: So I do think we've went basically through every other words we could have. Um, but one of the things I'm telling you guys today, um, we didn't follow initially. Uh, all of this has been learned through, through our experience. But uh, I do feel like until a month ago, we we're not doing enough research on all of the features we we're doing. Like all of our features is like, okay, we need it in two months. So now it's like, okay, I need to start right away. Or like, I need to start in two days. So then you were researching for one or two days. Taking the time to understand everything before you do a feature is important. I can not stress this enough. So then investing one week of research, mm-hmm. which is called for people who don't know, a, a spike before feature. Investing maybe a week into a spike might save you like six or seven weeks, like like in the research. Like most of the time it is an amazing time saver. And it will just make your goal better and help the business understand a struggle. Like if you just say to the business, okay, I can I need to start right away, and then you you will usually end up not reaching your goal. Mm-hmm. If you research well enough and you're like, okay, well, that's gonna take like X amount of months, X amount of weeks, and X amount of days. Um like it's easier for them to understand why, because you know why. If you just try to take like any number anywhere, just on a quick estimation that it's never gonna work. So take your time to really understand your feature, guess, well, try to do a logical guess about how much time it should take. And then try to bring this to, to, to the business because your job as a product manager or actually more of a like a tech lead, is to, like the business gives you like, like the need and then you, and so there are solutions and then you, okay, I, it's gonna take me X amount of time and why amount of resources to do this feature? And then you have seven different features, and then the company sees all the pros and cons of, of doing every feature, maybe the amount of money, the amount of time, and everything. And then they decide which one to do. But you more act like as a counsel to the business, uh, especially as a tech lead. And so, my biggest challenge personally, to come back to the question, is
1: we didn't do enough uh, research for sure. So, prepare, 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 prepare. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. We've got another question too about the product. Uh, from Leo, why did you decide to build your solution into uh, part of it blocked out the email provider, email, and not create a standalone solution? More of a feeling or based on feedback?
0: That's a great question. Uh, we initially built the uh, the product as a standalone mobile application, uh, like a, a like a large serum on your cell phone. But the problem is. It's, it's hard for people to change their behavior. People are lazy most of the time. And this is something you will need to understand. Um, and, you, and, and, and so many things will change across the board. But one of the things for us that change is we need people to change their, their day-to-day behavior.
1: Hmm.
0: One of the things people will look into like the most, most of the time for raising money is in retention. And asking people to go outside of their usual behavior is hard. So being in Outlook and always being there like, it's, it's super easy to just, oh, you know what? I'm just going to click on links rather than, oh, I'm going to go on my cell phone or on the web app or here and there. Um, there is problems with this for sure. Deployment now depends on Microsoft, like, you in, in making yourself more dependent. But by being everywhere and by, being, by having all of those anchors inside of Outlook, let's say, now we are in the email, we are in the events, we are in, like, literally everywhere in Outlook, it's a lot easier for people to just, oh, I saw links, and then, you know what? I'm just going to look for the, for this direction for that people like what happened with this contact like like maybe a month ago like what happened i don't know so it's a lot easier for people to just go there and just hide something behind it and try to link it. Um, we so we switch uh from a, a standalone mobile app to uh, an integrated app um around christmas um after feedback from people at 500 startups Um, these were uh, amazing people for, especially for the product and understanding like retention and the psychology of the users. So uh, we had a big decision. I remember again, me and Fred, because retention wasn't great. And now like now, like our lowest retentions are are better than like our highest retention back in the days. Mm. But but I remember like me and Fred needed to take a decision and over at the bar, that was one of the lows. Like we didn't get good retentions. People were loving the app, but just people wouldn't open it. So we went to a, to a cigar bar and we talked for maybe hours on end and then we came to the conclusion after a long talk that we should switch to uh, an integrated app. Um, and yes, so that's, uh, that's, uh, that's why we switch, and why also we do it today.
1: Is that something you found in your research? People are lazy? <laughs> uh,
0: yes. Uh, if I can give you, give you another example of this. Um, one of the things we found out is that, let's say everybody asks us for groups, so let's say you want to see interactions. Like, I want to see Microsoft interactions with the World Canada, let's say. But what about, I want to see all the interactions of the salesman, so a group with Logan Canada, and every, everybody across the board was asking for custom groups, just a group that they could create themselves. Um, and, and, and it was really, like a, like, literally a screen for help. Like, everybody was asking for it. So, that, so we were sure it was a great feeling. So we listened to the client needs. Then... We build different solutions, we brought the solutions to the user, which one do you like the most? What are the use case? And now after that, we build a solution. Once we build it, we released it and then realized after a week that nobody was creating groups. Just nobody was creating groups. People were just too lazy to create groups. Even though they needed it, people didn't want to create them. So that's why it's super important to first go to to the users, to, um, to decide which feature you should build and how we should build them, but run right after, take data driven decisions to then modify the feature or know where to go after. Um, so, knowing this, we took a data driven decision to make groups automated. So, now we group every email by domain and we put that them into companies. So, now instead of having groups, you group by companies, uh, all of your groups into Outlook are sync as groups too. So, if your company created groups in the uh, office environment, then they'll report it back. So instead of asking users to do more, we automate it for them. So uh, that brings me to uh, to a tangent, but uh, one of the important part of developing is always take client-driven features and then take data-driven decisions on those features to go forward. Thank you for listening to Loewelgon Live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe.